The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Bleaker, and Pocket Cast. However you listen, wherever and whenever you listen, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at all Andy Alfred. It is at All Andy Alfred and Facebook.com slash All Andy Alfred. Oh, we had the game won in Oakland. The last time we're ever in the Coliseum. And we failed. We don't get the job done. Done! (sighs) The Browns are in trouble, my friends. Serious, serious trouble. As they lose in mile high. To a quarterback that nobody has ever heard of. Michigan, a huge win. This past weekend. And Bowling Green gets the job done against Akron. We're three wins away from being bowl eligible. We'll talk about that. The college football playoff rankings are out. You'll hear my thoughts. The Jackets woes. They can't get anything doing in Vegas, against Vegas. And now hit the desert to play the Coyotes in this jacket recap. While the fish just keep on swimming and the clones get even with the comets. It's a Thursday night in the middle of Maction Week. Get the popcorn ready because it's time for another edition of all Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. And a shot at a goal. 24 runs in the span of the Shut out. Dumbino. Hit to a home run. Go! Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Two, two, it's time for all Andy Alfred. And with that, I say, I love you guys, and welcome in to another edition of All Andy Alfred right here on your exclusive home for me, the Anchor Network, and that is with the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, however you listen, wherever and whenever and however you listen to us. Thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart to yours. Thank you for everything. As you are a part of the All Andy Elford Network experience, and you can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford, as well as on Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. So welcome in on this Thursday evening of the podcast, of course, we're in the middle of Maction Week, uh, Maction season now, unfortunately, as 
as we are now into midweek matching games. Um, we're going to be doing the podcast now intermittently during the week now. Uh, Bowling Green's next game will be next Wednesday night. We will have a special version of All in the Offer one week from today. It will be a post-game edition of the podcast on actually on Wednesday night. It will be after the BG Miami of Ohio game. It will also be a Facebook Live show. We will have a full in-depth analysis of the big game against Miami of Ohio. You'll hear tonight Scott Leffler in the pre in the uh, in his presser from this past Monday about his his team and his performance against their team performance against Akron as well. As you'll hear my thoughts on the game here momentarily. Also tonight, the Jackets' woes continue one point out of the possible six this past week. It's not going to really cut it for the Jackets. We're going to talk about that and what their woes are, as well as taking a look at the return of A.J. Jenks to the Huntington Center. You'll hear my thoughts on the walleye, as well as what's happening in the ECHL with the Cincinnati Cyclones and so much more. Also, we'll dive a little bit into college basketball. Got a good chance on Tuesday night to watch the Michigan State and, uh, and Kentucky game in Kansas and Duke got a little bit of a chance to see the top four teams. And you'll hear my thoughts a little bit on that as well as an Andy Rance you cannot afford to miss. So welcome into the podcast tonight. And we're going to first start with the National Football League. The last time, this is the last time that the Lions will head into the Coliseum to battle the Raiders. The next time will be when they are in Las Vegas as the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, looking at this game, I had a sneaky feeling that the Lions were going to either win this game by three or they were going to get either blown out or lose it very close. And I was right. They did lose this game. And it and we had the lead in the game. And it cost us. Carr throwing a nine-yard pass towards at two minutes and four seconds to go in the fourth quarter. And I'm saying to myself, I watched I watched the replay of the game. I was at the walleye game against Fort Wayne. We'll get to that in just a second. I watched the replay of the game on Monday night. After we did Andy and Money, and we'll get to that here in a second as well. Watch the replay of that game. And I tell you, we looked very, very good. Coming off of the win against the Giants, I figured that, you know, it wouldn't be much of a layover. I think that the team would be better and stronger. And they were. But in the end, the defense couldn't hold Derek Carr down. And Hunter Renfro, the rookie, gets the pass with two minutes and four seconds to go. And honestly, we have the opportunity to win the game. A beautiful pass with three seconds left to go in the game. The Lions fall in Oakland. By a score of 31-24. to 24. It all started with Josh Jacobs' two-yard run in the end zone. It was 7-0 Oakland 
before Marvin Jones drew with 2.34 to go in the first quarter. Made it a 7-7 ball game. Prater kick was good. It was 7-7. Uh, Daniel Carlson getting a 32-yard field goal on a 10-play 50-yard drive that saw 4 minutes and 3 seconds taken off the clock. And at 10-7 in favor of the Raiders before Kenny Galladay getting a beautiful pass from Matthew Stafford and running it for 59 yards. Three plays, 73 yards, 2 minutes and 10 seconds taken off the clock. It was 14-10 Lions. And then right before the end of the half, Josh Jones, a 3-yard run on 11-play, 80-yard drive, which ate up the rest of the clock for the first half as the Raiders were up 17-14. to Prater kicking a field goal in the third quarter, 17-17, but then it was all in the fourth quarter, folks. Menu, a three-yard pass from Derek Carr on a 99-play, 80-yard drive, making it 24-17. The Lions, having an opportunity, takes and gets the tie from McKenzie. A 26-yard pass from Stafford. It was 24-24, and I'm figuring the Lions have an opportunity to take this game. And then Derek Carr drives it down the field and connects with Hunter Renfro for a nine yard pass on a seven play, 75 yard drive, making it 31 to 24. Stafford then gets the football, drives that, drives it all the way down. Drives it all the way down. A nine-play, 76-yard drive. Drives it. Throws it. Incomplete to Thompson. On fourth and one at the Oakland one. They can't get it into the end zone. If you can't, my dad says it best. If you can't get a single yard, then you do not deserve to play football. And this was one of the plays. It cost us the game. And it cost us of being above 500. And the Lions fall in Oakland, 31-24. to Derek Carr in the game, 20 for 31, 289, two TDs, no interceptions. Jacobs, 28 carries for 120 yards, two TDs in the game. Richards, three catches, 56 yards, no TDs. Hunter Renfro, six catches, 54 yards, one TD in the game. Waller, two catches, 52 yards, no TD in the game. For the Lions, Matthew Stafford, a QBR rating. Oh, by the way, Derek Carr's QBR rating, a 95.6. That's pretty good. Compared to Matthew Stafford's, who was a 65.3 in the game. Stafford, 26 for 41. 406 total yards, three touchdowns, one interception in the game. McKenzie, the leading rusher for the Lions, four carries, 32 yards. Johnson had nine touches for 29 yards. No TDs for either one of them. Kenny Galladay, a great game and the receiving from four catches for 132 yards, one TD in the game. Marvin Jones Jr., eight catches, 126 yards, one TD in the game. Uh, McKenzie, three catches, 40 yards, one TD 
in the game. The overall stats look like this. The Lions had 26 first downs to the Raiders 25. On third down, the Lions were 5 for 11. Oakland 7 for 13. Both teams 1 for 2 on fourth down. The Lions had a total of 473 total yards of offense. 383 through the air, a total of 90 yards on the ground. The Raider defense is pretty strong. I'll, I'll give you that. But our defense was absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. 450 total yards of offense for the Lions. Uh, they, they gave up to the Raiders. The Raiders had 450 total yards of offense. 279 through the air. 171 on the ground. Unbelievable. Cannot do that. You cannot do that. Five penalties, 35 yards for the Lions. Ten penalties, 96 yards for the Raiders. Two turnovers in the game, one fumble, and one interception for the Lions in the game. The Lions lost in the time of possession, 27 minutes and 10 seconds. The Raiders, 32 minutes and 50 seconds. So the Lions fall in the Coliseum. The Raiders now go to 4-4. Four and four. The Lions are now 3-4-1. and one. That tie still getting at me. This season, we could be honestly four and four with the Raiders right now, but of course we're not. We we tied with the Cardinals at the beginning of the season, so Lions getting ready for Week Ten. We'll get to their preview in here in just a second, but let's talk about the other mistake in the NFL, and that right now is the Cleveland Browns. I hate to do this, but I'm gonna have to. I, I, I hate to do this. I have faith in this guy. I felt like he could lead this young team to Providence. But I think Freddie Kitchens has got to go. The amount of talent that this guy, this team has, and he is not utilizing it to the best ability... Is hurting the Browns, in my opinion. Honestly, it is. Brandon Allen, the quarterback, the four year quarterback for the Denver Broncos, beats Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, and the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are in trouble. Absolutely in trouble. They cannot sink right on the offensive page. With Mayfield is uh, and it's it goes to Freddie Kitchens because he's the play caller for this team. It is all on him. I'm sorry to say this to the, you Browns fans and I and I'm one of them. I don't think he's the man for this job. I had faith in this guy. Honestly, I had faith in this guy. Coming in, he, he to me, he looks like if, if Schwabel Bread did a contest to be the head coach for the Cleveland Browns, you get two games, he won the contest, and... Jimmy Haslam said, you know, let's just stay out there. Let's see how this works. 
He is not the man for the job. I'm sorry, but he is not. You cannot be a play caller and a head coach. You cannot do that. Mike McCarthy did that for the longest period of time. He was an offensive coordinator and a head coach. Where is he at now? He's not coaching anymore. This is not Sean McVay and the Rams. And they're in trouble too. I'll get to them here in a second. This is, and the thing is, Baker is not synced up with his offensive line. Aaron passes, and the offense, she's not the offensive line, but the, the receivers are not linked up with him, and the offensive line is actually closing the cap, and Baker's getting hit and sacked more. I'm sorry, but this, this is atrocious. And I have to say this, if he doesn't win the next two games, I think Kitchens is gone. You can't fire the players, you have to fire the coach. And this is a case where you have to fire the coach. I know he's only on a two to three year deal. And we're only in year one. But this is, this is trouble. With a capital T. Absolute trouble. As the Browns headed into Mile High Stadium in Denver, Colorado to battle the Broncos. Full team went. And Brandon Allen, the four-year quarterback who has been on the bench with Simeon and with Flacco. Flacco out for, for some time. He gets the roll. And does a fantastic job. He was 12 for 20. For 193 yards and two TDs. As the Broncos beat the Browns 24 to 19. Looking at it all started off in the seventh in with with seven points early in the first quarter. Corland Sutton, 21 yard pass from Allen. It was 7-0. Broncos, Cyber getting a 39-yard field goal for the Browns. It was 7-3 before Noah Flat, one play, 75 yards. Allen connects with them, and it's 14-3. Schwaber again a 30-yard field goal. It's it's 14-6. He kicks another one. The Browns cannot connect on plays to get first downs. On the second, on their second possess, on their third possession, in the second quarter, ends up with a field goal. Brandon Menarcus getting a forty-three yard field goal, making it seventeen to nine in favor of the Broncos. Swaver again getting a thirty-yard field goal, thirteen plays, sixty-three yards for a minute thirty-two, and it's at half seventeen to twelve. And then Philip Lindsay putting the dagger in. And twisting it. A 30-yard run on a 7-play, 95-yard drive. Making it 24-12. Landry had a nine, catching a 9-yard pass from Mayfield. But it was a bad day for Baker. As Denver 
beats Cleveland 24-19. Like I said, the stats, again, Allen, 12 for 20, 193 yards, two TDs in the game, no interceptions. The leading rusher for the Broncos is Lindsey with nine carries, 92 yards, one TD in the game. Freeman, five catches, five carries, 15 yards. Fant, the leading rusher for the Broncos, three catches, 115 yards, one TD in the game. Sutton, five catches, 56 yards, one TD in the game. And here's the stats for you for Baker Mayfield. He was 27 for 42, 273 total yards, one TD, no interceptions. His QBR rating was a 39.9%. That's not cutting it. And he was sacked two times for a loss of 12 yards. Nick Chubb, a good game for him. He carried the ball 20 times for 65 yards. Decent. Mayfield ran the ball three times for 22 yards. Odell Beckham Jr., leading rusher, leading receiver for the Browns. Five catches, 87 yards, no TDs. Anthony Callaway, four catches, 56 yards, no TDs in the game. Jarvis Landry, the one TD catch that he had, six catches for 51 yards. Here is the stats for you. This is, a, this is where it's going to be interesting. The Browns had 21 first downs for the Broncos, 13. On third down, the Browns were 6 for 15. The Broncos, 3 for 9. They were running at 33% on third down. On fourth down, Broncos never went for it on fourth down, but the Browns did. 0 for 2. The Browns did have the total amount of yards at 351 total yards. 261 through the air, 90 yards on the ground again. Defense for for Denver was strong. For Denver, they had 302 total yards of offense, 175 through the air, 127 on the ground. Penalties killed the Broncos, 7 penalties, 55 yards, 5 penalties, 40 yards for the Browns. The Browns didn't have any turnovers in the game. Denver had one. It was a fumble. The Browns led in possession 35 minutes and 30 seconds to 24 minutes and 30 seconds. I say the stats because you look at the stats and you think, man, the Browns should have won this game easily. It's not that easy. The Browns fall because of time. I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it and I'll be brutally honest with you Browns fans. They're not in sync together, and it's bad because we're at this is week 10 coming up. You only have seven weeks left in the season, and it just does. I do say, I do say this the schedule for the Browns gets easier, but it's going to be some time before they it gets easier for the Browns. And we'll get to that now here. The schedule for the Browns looks like this for going forward. For Cleveland, after this game against Denver that they had, they are now at home against the Bills. Then they're at home against Pittsburgh, and then at home against Miami. There is a possibility of being 2-1 and one out of those three games. They go to Pittsburgh. That could be a loss. They could be splitting it either way. At home against Cincinnati, on the road in the desert against Arizona, 
at home against Baltimore, and on the road against Cincinnati. So, Buffalo, that's a loss. Pittsburgh, that's a win Thursday night. Miami is 1-7. The Browns are 2-6 right now. I think the Browns will take that one. Go to Pittsburgh, that's a loss. Win against Cincinnati. Kyler Murray's getting better in Arizona. I think Arizona could win in Arizona. At home against Baltimore, I think Lamar Jackson will have retribution after the win. And then at home on the road against Cincinnati, that'll be a win. So what? One, two, three, four wins out of one, two, three, four and three to finish up. Four no, four and four to finish up. That gives you eight and eight overall. No, not eight and eight overall. That gives you six and ten. Of the amount of talent that the Browns have, I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it, and 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 it just doesn't get easier for the Browns. It really doesn't. But we'll see what happens. I think if Freddie wants his job, he has to beat Buffalo. If he doesn't beat Buffalo and they lose to Pittsburgh, then it's over. It's over, buddy. Turn out the lights. The party's over. But we'll see. As you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now let's take a look at Week 9 of the NFL slate. And here are the predictions for Week 10. So taking a look at the scoreboard from week nine of the NFL slate. Let's take a look around. It started last Thursday night in the desert as Jimmy Garoppolo headed in to the U.S. Uh, University of Phoenix Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, as the Arizona Cardinals battled the San Francisco 49ers, and the 49ers getting a big win, 28-25. to the last London game of the season sees the Jacksonville Jaguars hosting the Houston Texans in a divisional matchup, and the Texans getting a big 26-3 win over Garter Minshew. And the Jaguars, Buffalo, a big win, 24-9 over the Washington Football Club. It was Kansas City getting the win over Minnesota by a score of 26-23. to It was a big upset week in the NFL because not only Kansas City getting the win over Minnesota, but Miami gets their first win of the season as they beat the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 26-18. to The double doink re- uh, rematch saw Philadelphia getting a big win, 22-14 to over the Bears. It was, and, and my old broadcast partner, if you heard our podcast this past Monday, uh, Nick the Money Man DeVera, he is very upset with the Bron- with the Bron- excuse me, not the Browns, but the Bears, and the way that everything's helping out with there. And uh, I think Trubisky is losing confidence with his with his team, and especially his coach. They went from being one of the top elite teams in that AFC and the NFC North division to now being honestly like the laughing stock of this. Of this uh, of this division, it, they really are, and um, I don't know how they're gonna figure this one out. I really don't know how they're gonna figure it out. But 
We'll see what happens. As the Eagles were a winner 22-14 over the Bears. It was Pittsburgh a big 26-24 win over Indianapolis. Carolina a 30-20 win over the Tennessee Titans. It was also the Seattle Seahawks in overtime getting the win over Jameis Winston and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 40-34. Green Bay headed to the West Coast to take on the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers dominated the Packers in the game and beat the Packers by a score of 26-11. Baltimore on Sunday Night Football gets the win 37-20 over Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And to me, with Baltimore beating the Patriots, they showed us the blueprint on how to beat the Patriots. By solid running, slant passes, and quick and quick to the line draws, keeps the veteran team on their toes and not ready for action. And Baltimore beats Tom Brady and the New England Patriots 37 to 20. And then on Monday night football, it was all the boys beating the G Men. Even though a black cat ran on the field and that was the high point of the game, the Cowboys a winner 37-18. to Now tonight, Week 10 starting off right here as it will be the L.A. Chargers heading into Oakland to battle the Raiders. 8-20 kickoff on Fox. I will take the Raiders to beat the Chargers. So now let's take a look at Week 10 and here are my predictions. For week 10, you heard, of course, the Raiders beating the Chargers on Thursday night. Baltimore heads into Cincinnati. 1 o'clock kickoff. I will take the Ravens in that game. Kansas City heads into Tennessee to battle Marcus Mariota and the Tennessee Titans. I will take Kansas City in that game. 1-7 and seven Atlanta, my, foot, my Super Bowl prediction. Not going to be right this year, I think. Uh, Atlanta will fall to New Orleans. Drew Brees is back. He's seven. The the Saints are seven and one. Not that many people talking about the Saints. They're seven and one. I'll take the Saints in the in the game. The battle of the terrible football teams in the New York metropolitan area as the G men play the J E T S Jets Jets Jets. In a game that sees both teams under five hundred, both teams with seven losses. I will take the Jets to beat the Giants. 1 o'clock kickoff on Sunday. Arizona travels to Tampa Bay to battle the Buccaneers. I will take the Cardinals in that game. Miami heads into Indianapolis to take on the Colts. I will take the Colts in the game. Green Bay, the 425 kickoff on Fox, will host the Carolina Panthers. If Cam Newton's playing this game, this would have been a pretty good game. The grass... Up there is the frozen tundra for a reason. I will take Green Bay in the game. The Rams, who are five and three and are struggling as of late, five and three overall, to head into Pittsburgh to battle the Juju Smith Schuster and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I will take the Rams to beat the Steelers. The Sunday night game sees Skull. Skull! Skull! The Minnesota Vikings heading into the boys' house in Jerry World to battle the D- 
Dallas Cowboys. I will take the Vikings to beat the Cowboys. Monday night football, great Monday night game. Seattle 7-2 overall, head into Levi Stadium to battle Jimmy G and the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners 8-0. I think they will get their first loss. I have Seattle beating San Francisco. And now let's take a look at the local spectrum. 1 o'clock kickoff for both teams. We'll start first and foremost with the road team. The Detroit Lions, led by Matthew Stafford, head into Chicago to take on Mitchell Trubisky and the Chicago Bears. The Bears are favored in the game by 2.5 points on this Thursday evening. But I'm going to take the Lions. I think the Brown, the Bears have got some problems. Uh, Nagy's uh, not in his right mind. I think the Bears and Trubisky are in trouble. I'm going to take the Lions to beat the Bears. And then a 1 o'clock kickoff as the 6-2 Buffalo builds. Let's go, Buffalo. Let's go, Buffalo. Hey, hey, hey. Let's go, Buffalo. Let's go, Buffalo. Bills Mafia comes in to First Energy Stadium on the lake. The battle, the Browns, the Browns 2-6, Buffalo 6-2. The Browns are favored in the game by three points. Again, I will buck with the line, and I will take Buffalo to beat the Browns, giving the Browns their seventh loss of the season. And the Bills are for real, folks. They're seven, they'll be 7-2 after this week. They're gunning for New England. They're gunning for New England. We'll see what happens. Uh, the uh, One of the big news stories out of the NFL too this past week was the rumor is that the L.A. Chargers are in consideration. They were in consideration of moving the franchise to London. Now, to think about this for a second, I think it's an okay move. I mean, the... When the Raider, when the when the Chargers left San Diego, that was a big move for the NFL. Um, and LA now has two teams. They don't really care about the Chargers. I'm sorry, but the LA people do not care about the Chargers. And I'll go back to a couple weeks ago on Sunday Night Football. The Chargers were playing the, the Steelers, and Three-fourths, four-fifths of the stadium was all Steeler Nation because, you know, Pittsburgh travels well. There was not that many Charger fans there. And with the amount of people that go to the London games, it's absolutely amazing. Now, when you see the London games, you're seeing the color spectrum and everybody's favorite NFL team, whether it be the Browns, whether it be the Cardinals, whether it be the Bills, whether it be the Panthers. You're seeing all these jerseys in in the area because they're celebrating the NFL game coming to London. London needs its own team, in my opinion. I think it would be better if London has an NFL franchise over there. Uh, You would have eight games, of course, over there. Uh, I think you would do seven games over here in the States. I think that would be a great option. Um... But 
I think it would be interesting to see how it all would shape out. And I think the logistics would be okay. Absolutely, the logistics would be okay. But I'm in favor of the Chargers moving to L.A. If I was an owner, I would be all supportive on that. But we'll see. Absolutely, we'll see. As you're listening to All ADL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. Let's continue to hit the gridiron, and let's talk a little college football. A huge win at Doydell Perry Stadium this past Saturday afternoon. So this past Saturday at Doydell Perry Stadium, Bowling Green hosted the Akron Zips. In a uh, big in-conference matchup, uh, Akron has not yet won a football game in 14 in 14 consecutive games. They headed into this game at Bowling Green, coming off of the loss last week over Western Michigan, looked for retribution, and they came out, and it was all Grant Lloyd with two TDs, one by, through the air, one on the ground. On Senior Day at Doyd L. Perry Stadium, the brown and orange raise the W in Wood County as the Falcons get off of the two-game losing streak and get the win 35-6 over the Akron Zips. It all started off a great crowd on hand at Doyd L. Perry Stadium as it all started off with actually the Zips taking an early 6-0 lead on two consecutive field goals before the senior Andrew Clare coming back from injury, getting the getting the game started for the Brown and Orange. And they took off from there as Andrew Clare ran it in for two yards on an eight-play, 72-yard drive and made it 7-6 in favor of the, of the Brown and Orange. Then Quentin Morris getting a two-yard pass from Grant Lloyd, making it a 14-6 lead. And then Grant Lloyd in that same quarter running it in on a two-play, eight-yard possession, making it 21-6 at halftime. Bryson Dentley getting a two-yard run on a three-play, six-yard drive, making it 28-6. And then Bowling Green capping it off again with the senior Andrew Clare, a four-yard touchdown run. The Falcons a 35-6 win over the Akron Ziffs, a big win for Bowling Green. They're now 3-6 and six overall. Akron has not yet won a game. They have lost 15 consecutive straight games in Mid-American Conference uh, in overall this se- in the last two seasons. Haven't won a game since. They are 0-9 so far this season. Looking at the box score in this game, it was Nelson for Akron. He was 9 for 24, 60 total yards a passing, no touchdowns, two interceptions in the game. It was Hayes uh, Hayes with four carries for 23 yards. Lee with six carries. He was a leading rusher with fifth leading carrier with six carries for 15 yards. Nelson was also the leading carrier. He ran the fall 14 times for a negative 10 yards. Stewart with three catches for 26 yards. Knight with three catches, 23 yards for the Akron Zips. For Grant Lloyd and the Bowling Green State University Falcons, he was 12 for 20 with 113 total yards, one TD, no interceptions in the game. His QBR rating was a 44.4%. By the way, Nelson's QBR rating was a low 2.3%. 
Darius Wade did start have a chance in the game. He was one for one with seven yards. Andrew Clare, 29 touches for 86 yards, two TDs in the game. Bryson Dentley, 20 carries for 62 yards, one TD in the game. Grant Lloyd, 8 carries, 10 yards, 1 TD in the game. Quentin Morris, the leading receiver for the Brown and Orange. 4 catches, 53 yards, 1 TD in the game. Ortega Jones, 3 catches, 26 yards in the game. Andrew Clare, 1 catch, 16 yards in the game. The overall stats looked like this. Bowling Green led in first down, so it was 17-7. On third down, the Brown and Orange was 10, in, 10 for 21. Uh, Akron was 1 for 14. Akron was 0 for 1 on fourth down. The brown and orange, the uh, bowling green, was 1 for 4. A total amount of yards, and this shows you how bad Akron is this year. They had a total of 100 yards in total on this game. 71 through the air, 29 on the ground. For bowling green, they had 276 total yards of offense, 120 through the air, 156 on the ground. Penalties killed Bowling Green, though. They had 11 penalties for 115 yards. Akron, 6 penalties, 46 yards in the game. Four inter- four turnovers in the game for Akron, which was what caused Bowling Green to win this football game. They had three interceptions and one fumble. Bowling Green had one fumble in the game. They also led in time of possession at 37 minutes and 2 seconds. Akron, 22 minutes and 58 seconds. So with the win, Bowling Green is 3-6 and six overall, and they're at the final three games of the season. They have Miami of Ohio next Wednesday night, 8 o'clock kickoff. We don't know yet where that game is going to be on ESPNU or if it's going to be on CBS Sports Network or ESPN2. We'll figure that out in the upcoming days. Then they're at home against the Ohio Bobcats, the final game at Doit L. Perry Stadium for the season. Another matching game. That's a Tuesday night before uh, Thanksgiving holiday. And they go into Buffalo to end the season. So here's why I say this. Miami of Ohio lost this past week. They lost this past week. A big loss. For them. Oh, actually, they won. Excuse me. They had a big win 24 to 21 on Wednesday night. My apologies. My apologies. A big win 24 21 over Ohio. So now they are in the driver's seat for the Mac East championship picture. Bowling Green is in dead last. Can they play spoiler? If Bowling Green, now we're just throwing this out here. I know I, I'm not a believer on this. I know we're in a rebuilding mode, but here's where I want to throw this out to you. Bowling Green has three games left of the season. If they hypothetically win out, they have Miami of Ohio, which is the number one team in the East. They have Ohio, which is the number two team in the East, and Buffalo, who's the number three team in the in the standings. Let's say this. They win out. They're six and six. They're bowl eligible. They're bowl eligible. Just gonna lay that out there for you. They're bowl eligible if they're six and six. I'm not believing that they're gonna get a bowl game. I don't want us to get a bowl game. I I think we're gonna probably lose at least one of these next three games. Lose at least two of the next three games. We could win against Ohio. We could win against Buffalo. 
we could we could beat Miami and lose to Ohio and Buffalo. It, it, the 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 situation is there. We could lose all three games and finish three and nine. But at least this year we had at least three wins, and it it screwed the college football predictions like they were all thinking that we were only going to get one win in conference play. It was going to be against Akron, which we did. We have two wins in conference play, one against Akron and one against Toledo by beating them 20-7. to I'll say this. We can win at least one of these games. We're in the right, we're in the right path. So this past Monday, you heard, you'll hear in just a second Scott Leffler's post-game from the Akron game first and foremost. And then you will also hear his thoughts on the game upcoming against Miami of Ohio. This week, Bowling Green is on the bye for week 11 of college football. They get back into action in week 12 against Miami of Ohio. But here now is the post-game from the Akron game for Bowling Green. And also, right immediately after, you'll hear Scott Leffler's comments from his Monday presser that we have the audio obtained by YouTube.com slash BG Athletic from the BG Athletic Department. So here he is, the head coach of our Bowling Green State University Falcons, Scott Leffler. I thought uh, defensively we played outstanding. We played complimentary football. Conditions weren't great out there, but uh, I think we uh, did a good job besides on the punt team taking care of the football. And uh, we wanted to, uh, the whole uh, idea of the game is that we wanted to, we thought that we could uh, create turnovers on uh, the short side of the field. And offensively, we just needed to uh, take advantage of those situations, which I thought we did. Uh, We rushed the ball for 62 times, a buck 56. It's still not good enough. The penalties were ridiculous. We need to get that done. Um, But I'm happy with uh, how we took care of the ball, minusing uh, special teams. Uh, I thought special teams-wise was uh, hands down uh, not where we want, uh, not what we expect around here. But uh, offensively, we took we uh, took care of the ball, had the ball in the short end of the field the majority of the day. Defensively, I thought they played outstanding. So um, we played complimentary football. It was ugly, but we were able to get a win. And uh, the people that I'm most ecstatic for is those seniors that will never play another game on Saturday in the Doit. I thought uh, we made an emphasis to make sure that, uh, that we were going to be fully committed to make sure that those kids went out victorious, and they did. And so. Uh, that's probably the highlight of the day is them being able to walk out of here winners. It was early, but those two red zone stops in the first quarter to hold the two field goals. Mm-hmm. How much did that help set the tone for the way you guys? Yeah, I, I thought the, we kept them out of the end zone. Um, they, uh, I thought defensively we did a really good job being able to hold them to those two uh, field goals in the red area. And uh, the difference was is that when we got those short ends of the fields, we were able to score touchdowns. They, they kicked field goals. So it was, uh, it was ugly, but uh, we, uh, we expected it to be this type of game. We're talking about a lot of times this year not taking advantage of opportunities. When you do get those three deep in the territory, touchdown, 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 do you see that as a step in the right direction? Absolutely. Um, we've, we've had a hard time scoring um, consistently. So uh, to be able to uh, have a little success, that's definitely a step in the right direction. 
two days ago we were talking about finding positives to, uh, to kind of balance things out with that mind, you know, in that area with the wind here. Uh, mentally, it's, it's got to be really helpful for the program. Yeah, it's great. Uh, anytime that uh, you're able to uh, to find a way to get a win, winning is hard. I mean, even whenever you're you're right, it's hard. And uh, so anytime that you uh, get one, uh, you're ecstatic afterwards. But we'll uh, just like we always do, we'll get 24 hours to enjoy it, and then uh, back to the grind and get ready for Miami of Ohio. What were your thoughts on Andrew's performance today? He's beat up. Um, he's uh, it's been beat up all year long. This uh, this foot deal is uh, is a problem, and. Um, I thought, uh, you know, I, I think we gave it to him 30 times, 29 times, and uh, he, he was limping, um, and uh, it's been a struggle to keep him healthy this year. So we'll see where we go in the next couple of weeks with him. The jump pass, I seem to recall someone else doing that borrow from uh, Urban a little bit. Yeah, we did. Yep, we sure did. Tim was pretty good at that. Yeah, he was. Did you put that in this week, or has that been? It's been in for the last uh, two weeks, and we finally got the opportunity to run it, so it was cool. Grant was fired up. <laughs> was there some hesitation? Because I saw you going down the sideline, almost like looking to maybe call a timeout there. Was there a certain look you need to play? Or? Yeah, we were worried that the post, the safety was going to be in the middle of the field, and right before the snap, uh, he went over, and they played zero coverage, and we got the look, but it was almost a timeout. Yeah. So if we if we didn't get the look, we were going to get out of it, and we didn't have a kill on it, so I was going to call timeout. We didn't have an automatic to get out of it, so. But it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was happy for Q. I was happy. I mean, those kids love that stuff, so it was fun. You good? Um, there were quite a few guys beating up today. Just to be in the roster in the shape that it is right now and to still win a football game. Well, how do you take that? You know what? I feel uh, I feel bad for both sides right now. Uh, what I mean by that is both our opponent and ourselves. Uh, they're in the same situation that we're in. Um, hopefully that in the next uh, couple months they change the rules where we can uh, obtain more uh, initials to uh, to make their program better and our program better. And uh, we're, we're so depleted with numbers right now. They are too. And, um, you know, hopefully in the near future that those rules change and we can uh, upgrade and because uh, it's just not right for the It's not right for the safety of the players. I mean, I, I don't care what they say. It is not right. I totally 100% disagree with with these uh, 25 initials for a place that uh, has number troubles, all of a sudden you're playing. You're st I mean, Jack Kramer's still in the game uh, with two minutes left to go in the game. Like, what are we doing? I mean, that's not right. And uh, I just think for player safety, it needs to change. And I hope here in the near future that uh, we are able to pass those rules and uh, help programs that uh, that need numbers. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Um, we can get our numbers right here in the next three or four years if they keep the rules the same way. But uh, for player safety, they need to change it. So I hope that that occurs here soon. Coming into the game, obviously, Akron's offense was at the bottom of the match, but your guys' defense was also at the bottom. That was skewed a little bit with some of those power five teams. But how encouraging is it that it was your defense that kind of rose to the occasion and they made those plays? Yeah, what was cool today. Is uh, 
they had a couple sudden change situations that they haven't been good at at all during the season. And, uh, you know, we uh, gave the ball back uh, with the muff uh, snap on the uh, punt, and uh, they were able to get a stop right off the get-go. So that was impossible. I mean, baby steps. You know, baby steps is what we're doing right now. And um, so there was some positives for sure. Who impressed you most on the defensive end? Excuse me? Who impressed you most today on the defense? Um, I thought Carl Brooks played well. I thought he played well. Um, he was impressive. Uh, he didn't have a, a, a beginning at the beginning of the week. He did not have a good Tuesday, and he really bounced back on Wednesday and Thursday and played well. Um, so, yeah, I thought Carl Brooks really played really well. It was fun to watch him out there today. Talk just a minute about the, the offense, Coach. You mentioned the fact you got some short fields that helped you out, but what do you attribute some of the struggles today? It seemed like Grant missed a few over receivers some of the time. Yeah, the, uh, the weather wasn't great, but that's not an excuse. And uh, we, we missed some gimmies, and uh, we, we need to continue to, when those opportunities present themselves, make it. And, you know, my big preaching right now is. Um, 50-50 in practice, those are gonna you're gonna be 50-50 in the game. You know, so the ability to uh, have competitive excellence during the week is so critical to improve. Because whenever you get in games that are super super competitive, it's equal. Uh, you got to fall back to your training. You got to fall back to what you're doing year in year in year out, day in day out. You got to fall back into it, and you make those plays in practice consistently. You make them on Saturday. So uh, we need to we need to practice better. Is the moral of the story? We need to practice better, and uh, we made some uh, huge jumps. I thought there was uh, on Wednesday in particular. Uh, I thought there was two or three of our offensive linemen. Uh, they kind of got it. They. Uh, during the 46 competitive reps that we had, I want to say they played their tails off for the first time in practice. So that was very, very encouraging. And now, the, you know, the, the biggest thing is trying to get all 85 or 90 guys, whatever we have on our team, to, to, to practice like that. That's when you get good, is whenever you're practicing at that type of um, tempo and mentality. So we, we, need to, we need to get better in that area. It's the biggest uh, challenge in our program right now. You expressed some frustration with how things played out before the end of the half last week. How do you feel about the thoughts about the half this week? Well, it was a different deal. Uh, our defense was playing well. Um, their offense was not playing well, so we uh, we came out, we threw a uh, smash play, uh, we threw low and away, and then we came back to a double move. They were in quarters coverage, he made a good throw away, and then uh, we ran the cue counter to try to get out of dodge. But uh, uh, this week I had no problem trying to go score just because of we're not, we weren't putting our defense in a, in a bad situation. Uh, we're playing a different, different offense. Those cats last week were different. So you just heard Scott Leffler's post-game comments from Akron as the Bowling Green State University Falcons getting the big win over Akron. Now you're going to hear Scott Leffler talk a little bit about Miami of Ohio. Uh, Miami is uh, an interesting team. Uh, They're similar to what Western Michigan is, a high-powered offense. You'll hear Scott talk about uh, their head coach, at Miami of Ohio, 
Uh, some names to pass along for Gelbert for Miami of Ohio. He, he this season is 114 uh, 224 passing attempts. He has 1,509 total yards. He has six TDs and five interceptions. Uh, on the rushing helm, it is uh, Sheldon with 67 carries this season for 356 yards. And uh, that's their leading rusher. On the receiving end is May, who has 13 ca- catches for 296 total yards and one TD. Miami of Ohio, 4-1 and one in the conference play. Overall, they're 5-4. and four. Uh, BG not favored in this game. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how Bowling Green does. Uh, Bowling Green allows uh, 33.8 points per game. Miami of Ohio, 31.7. They also, Bowling Green scores 17.6 points a game. Miami of Ohio scores 22.7 points a game. Uh, total yards, Miami of Ohio, usually, usually a game has 294 total yards. Bowling Green, 327.7. But they also allow 442 yards a game, 443 yards a game. Miami Ohio usually allows 393 yards a game. So it'll be interesting to see how Bowling Green and Miami of Ohio will perform. But of course, we don't need we don't need that much of a wait. Bowling Green will play Miami of Ohio this upcoming Wednesday. And here now is Scott Leffler previewing and recapping the Akron game as well as previewing the Miami of Ohio game this upcoming Wednesday, the 13th of November. You know, Schedule-wise, the ACC plays Thursday games, especially Virginia Tech, but this is in the McIntyre, the whole switch to the midweek game. So now you have this sort of half of a bye week. How do you use these extra days to your advantage? Yeah, we're going to try to get, uh, we've got a lot of guys banged up, and we've got a lot of young players that uh, we want to move along fast. Uh, we're going to take these next couple days, uh, we're going to do a lot of competitive drills against us to improve our football team, yet be smart with the guys that have played a bunch. We want to get them healthy, we want to get the young guys involved as much as we possibly can uh, so they can help us in this latter half of the season. And... Um, you know, minusing the short week, this uh, schedule, um, I kind of like. I mean, there's there's some great opportunity to get healthy. Uh, minusing the short week, obviously, having the six-day turnaround, and I can't imagine doing the five-day turnaround, which I've done before in the NFL. But, um, you know, so these next three weeks should be, uh, or next four weeks should be a, a great opportunity to improve our team. With these games, you get more spotlight being a midweek game. What do you hope to show on national television? You know what, we're not... Thank you. We're not concerned about that at all. We're concerned right now about uh, improving our team and uh, improving and getting uh, our team one step closer to where we want to be. So we've got a month left, and uh, we're going to try to do everything in our power just to improve uh, and get better. How do you integrate some of those young guys into what you guys are doing? Because I would assume that you're not going to play a full 60. So how do you go about getting them playing time and still feeling? This week is a great week to to start that process, and we really have. We've started that process three, four weeks ago of integrating them into practice and getting them reps in practice because we knew at the end of the season we'd be playing them anyway. So uh, this is this long week. It's not a bye week, but it's a long week. gives us uh, just us more opportunities, more snaps to get young guys prepared for the next three weeks. You guys had the big bye week. 
you did the same thing and had a lot of competitive drills. Started to see things turn in the right direction in Notre Dame, then obviously won against Toledo. Do you think that can make a difference this time? Help make them take the next step? Yeah, and there's no doubt once our depth is uh, established uh, here, uh, the one thing that I've learned from um, being around those great coaches that I've been around is uh, you have to have competitive drills against your own team constantly to maintain the speed and improve your football team. And uh, we had to cut those back uh, this previous week just because our depth and we're banged up and we really, uh, really just concentrated on Akron this week. And um, we don't want to do that in the years in the years to come. We want to make sure that we're having competitive drills against each other because that's how you improve. And uh, um, hopefully, with a few years of recruiting, we're able to establish that depth, and that's how you build your football team and improve your football team. Going on the road, you guys have yet to be competitive in the second half of the road game. What's the next step on the road? Yeah, you know, we got to, just like you said, we've we've generally handled it quite well in the first half. In the second half, we have not. Uh, so to be able to play a full 60 minutes on the road will be outstanding. And hopefully with uh, being able to get some guys, other new blood on the field, I, I'm hoping that our, that our depth problems won't be as horrific as they've been in the past, which keeps you in the game longer. And, um, you know, we're going against a good Miami team, and I think Chuck's done a great job of building the program. I think he's done it right in terms of um, he hasn't went the JC route. He hasn't went too much of the transfer route. He tried to build it with high school kids, and it's taken it's taken a little bit of time, but uh, I think uh, I think he's done it the right way, and I think their football program will just continue to improve and grow and build. And, uh, yeah, I think they do a great job down there. What was the team like after that Akron win? Were they refreshed? And what do you think that does for a, a final push at the end of the season? I think they were excited uh, for our seniors. You know, we made it a big week all week long that this is the last Saturday they'll ever play in the Doit. And I thought uh, I thought we were very mature about that this week. I thought, uh, I thought the seniors did a great job with leading. I think the younger players knew how important it was to, to watch the older guys go out victorious. So that was a step and a positive step. Again, a lot of things that people don't see right now. I thought we were very mature how we handled that, which is a, a step. Andrew talked to the post-game coach about goals. There's still goals that can be achieved. Talk a little bit about goals. You still have to achieve. Yeah, and our goals are daily. I mean, it is a one step at a time. Um, just like I said, the, the improvements, um, a lot of the fans, a lot of you don't see, um, but we need to have those improvements in order to eventually get the results that everyone sees. So every day we're working with mentality, attitude, um, getting bigger, getting stronger, learning um, how to do business day in and day out. That's, uh, that's again, the, the biggest challenge right now of teaching these young players and players that haven't been accustomed to how you have to actually prep um, the intensity that it takes to uh, to improve weekly. So those are all things that, those are my major goals right now, those, those things that you don't necessarily see right now, but I just know that they need to get solved fast in order for us to give and show the results of, uh, of victories and what have not. So those, uh, those uh, mysterious goals that no one sees are critical for us to get to where we want to go. Greg, you had no bigger recruits here last Saturday too. Good to get a win in front of some. Yes. Yep, that's uh, it's going to be the uh, 
make or break for us. We got to do a great job over these next three years, uh, really getting a foundation here of, of uh, really quality quality players and quality people. I think this class uh, has that, and uh, we're going to continue. We got to hold on to them, and uh, you know we got to get a few more. So that's going to be a major emphasis these next couple of weeks too. Miami's a little bit like Western Michigan. I believe they haven't lost at home this year, same way when you guys are going to Western. So what challenges does Miami pose, especially at their point? Well, they play great defense. And uh, any time that you play great defense, you got a chance to uh, to be uh, to win. And that's what they do. They 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 play really good defense. I like how what I like how they built that program and I like how, you know, Defense is a major emphasis with them, and that's huge. And there's not too many um, places out there that still do it that way, and they do. And uh, that's why they're winning at home, and that's why they're a good football program. They play defense. One of the seniors that's going to let you guys, Nico is one of the few guys that has wrote it out here his whole career. What has he meant for you guys um, in the leadership role and then also uh, where does he come as a player? Yeah, he's a first-class guy. I love him. I wish... Uh, I wish he was going to be in our program for the next five years. Uh, he plays hard. It's important to him. He cares about his teammates. Uh, he's a BG guy. So Bowling Green gets ready for Miami of Ohio on Wednesday the 23rd. That game is going to be on ESPNU, 8 o'clock kickoff at Oxford against the Red Hawks of Miami of Ohio. A big game for them. They actually played last night in Maction. As they got a big win, 24-21 over the Ohio Bobcats in week 10. Excuse me, week 11 of college football. As uh, we are already into week 11 of the college football spectrum with midweek matching games. Of course, Western Michigan on Tuesday night, a big 35-31 win over Ball State. And now Western Michigan in the driver's seat for the Mid-American Conference West Division. But, of course, Toledo is the big story out of this. Toledo battled Kent State at the Glass Bowl last two, this past Tuesday. And Toledo is now, for the 10th straight year now, bowl eligible with their big 35-33 win over Kent State. Shaquif Seymour having a career-high 175 yards in rushing. And he had two touchdowns in the game as Toledo beats Kent State, giving Kent State their sixth loss of the season Kent State is now 3-6 overall. In the game, of course, uh, uh, Eli Peters was the starting quarterback for Toledo. He, st- he was 15 for 25 for 194 yards, one TD, one interception in the game. Uh, Brian Kovac, 13 carries, 67 yards, two TDs in the game. He got injured in the game, so Seymour got most of the touches, 28 carries for 175 yards, two TDs in the game. Phillips, four catches, 55 yards, one TD in the game. For Kent State, Crum. 14 of 18, 257 yards, three total TD passes. It was Williams with 11 carries, 63 yards. Uh, Matt Crumb also ran the ball 14 times for 40 yards in the game. Price, four catches, 102 yards in total. Kerrigan, excuse me, Cargan, two catches, 75 yards, one TD in the game. Williams also caught the ball one time for 28 yards, one TD in the game, or one catch, five yards. One TD in the game. The overall stats for the University of Toledo versus Kent State game this past Tuesday. Toledo had 30 first downs to Kent State's 19. On third down, Kent State was 7 for 14. Toledo was 5 for 12 on third down. 
Both teams perfect on fourth down. Kent State one for one, Toledo two for two. Toledo had 483 total yards of offense, 194 through the air, 289 on the ground. For Kent State, they had 428 total yards of offense, 257 through the air, 171 on the ground. Three penalties for both teams. Toledo had 20 yards in penalties. Akron, not Akron, but Kent State, 40 yards in penalties. Two turnovers in the game for Toledo, one fumble and one interception. It was one fumble for Kent State. Toledo led in the time of possession, 34 minutes and 53 seconds. Kent State, 25 minutes and 7 seconds. So the University of Toledo getting a big win, being bowl eligible, and now are 6-3 in week 11, excuse me, a week 11 of the college football season. So let's, that's all the action from this week. Mac not going to be playing any more games the rest of the week. We'll go into week 12, and we'll get to the week 12 preview here in just a second. But you're listening to All ADL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now let's, let's hit the rewind button and go back to week 10 of the college football season. It's time to fire the cannon. And it's time to put on your jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. Now let's take a look at the top 25 from week number 10 of the college football season. It started off last week, of course, as we were in the week of Halloween, of course, as it was on Halloween itself. Baylor getting a 17-14 win over West Virginia. Baylor 12th ranked in the country. Appalachian State goes down to Georgia Southern 24 to 21. Appalachian State was 20th ranked in the country. Wake Forest a big 44 to 10 win over NC State. The Georgia Bulldogs go into Jacksonville, Florida in a neutral site game and get the 24 to 17 win over the Florida Gators. Georgia was 8th ranked, Florida was 6th ranked. Kansas State a 38 to 10 win over Can- over Kansas. Clemson a big 59 to 14 win over Wolford. It was the ninth-ranked Utah Upers, a winner, 33-28 over the Washington Huskies. Auburn, a 20-14 win over Ole Miss. East, it was Eastern Carolina falling to the 17th-ranked Terran Bland, Cincinnati Bobcats, 46-43. The Saturday night game of the week, Memphis versus SMU. Memphis, 24th-ranked in the country, beats 15th-ranked SMU, 54-48. Oregon, a big 56-24 win over USC. And Boise State, a 52-42 win over San Jose State. Looking at the Big Ten games, of course, this past Saturday in Week 10 of the college football spectrum, it was Indiana beating up on Northwestern 34-3. Rutgers loses to Illini 38-10 and giving Lovey Smith bull eligibility. The first time in a long time, Illinois, ILI, Illini, thirty-eight to ten over Rutgers. Purdue a big thirty-one to twenty-seven win over Nebraska. Now let's get into Big Blue headed into Maryland to take on the Terps, and it was all Michigan in this game as they routed the Terps by a score of thirty-eight to seven. In the game, Shane Patterson 
A great game for him. 13 of 22, 151, one TD, no interceptions in the game. Haskins had 13 carries for 60 yards, one TD in the game. Charlevoix had eight carries for 28 yards, two TDs in the game. Eagle Collins with two catches, 65 yards. McKenna in one catch, 29 yards. For Maryland in the game, it was Jackson who was the leading passer. He had nine catches, nine nine completions for 20 uh, out of 20 attempts for 97 yards. He had no touchdowns and one interception in the game. McFarland 14 carries, 60 yards, no zero TDs in the game. It was a defensive touchdown that helped Maryland get on the board. Cobb four catches, 52 yards, no TDs in the game. Okwachoi, two catches, 26 yards, zero TDs in the game. The overall stats looked like this. Michigan had 16 first downs. Maryland also had 16 first downs. On third down, Michigan was 7 for 15. Maryland, 4 for 16. On fourth down, Michigan and Maryland were both even 2 for 2. Michigan had 331 total yards of offense, 176 of the year, 155 on the ground. For Maryland, they had 233 total yards of offense, 104 through the air, 129 on the ground. Five penalties, 34 yards for Maryland. Four penalties, 30 yards for the Maize in blue. The turnover for Maryland, one turnover in the game, and it was an interception that was thrown uh, in the game. Maryland led in time of possession, 31 minutes and 58 seconds to Michigan's 28, 28 minutes and 2 seconds. So Michigan... Big 38-7 win in that front. Uh, I forget to mention of this, too. We also had other action games on Week 10 as well. Besides Bowling Green's big win over Akron, it was Buffalo a 43-14 win over Eastern Michigan and Central Michigan a 48-10 win over NIU. So now we hit into Week 11 of the college football standings, and this is what it looks like. The first college football playoff rankings came out this past Tuesday night got an opportunity to take a look at that and now that is what the new norm is we're not going to be looking at the top 25 AP poll we'll look at that too but we're going to now look towards the college football playoff rankings for the first playoff rankings were released of course and we'll go in opposite order instead of one through five first 25th is SMU at 8-1. 24th is Navy at 7-1. Oklahoma State is 23rd. Boise State 22nd. 21st is Memphis. The Bobcats of Cincinnati are 20th ranked in the college football playoff. Wake Forest is 19th. 18th ranked is Iowa. 17th ranked is P.J. Fleck and the Minnesota Golden Gophers. 16th ranked is Kansas State. 15th ranked are the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. By the way, the Irish, a big win against Virginia Tech. Coming from behind, Ian Book sealing the win for them over the Hokies this past week. 14th ranked is Michigan. 13th ranked is Wisconsin. 12th ranked is the Baylor Bears. 11th ranked is the Auburn Tigers. 10th ranked are the are the Florida Gators. 9th ranked is the Oklahoma Sooners. 8th ranked is Utah. 7th is the Oregon Ducks. And 6th ranked are the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, those are the teams that are bottoms of the list. Here is the teams that did not make the Final Four cut. Fifth ranked, the Clemson Tigers at a perfect 9-0 are on the outside looking in of the college football playoffs. 
unbelievable. But they, they, they are shooting themselves in the foot with how easy their schedule is. And they're playing in the ACC. So they're the ones that are shooting themselves in the foot with it. So here it is, the top four. Fourth ranked is Penn State at a perfect 8-0. and And I believe that the committee got it wrong. I think Penn State is a 5. And Clemson is a 4 because you have to give the defending champions an opportunity. And even though they are 9 and overall, I think... What really hurt their case is that they only won by one point against North Carolina. And that game is going to highly, highly hang over their heads for the rest of the college football season. So Penn State now fourth. Third are the Alabama Crimson Tide. Roll Tide, Bama! Easy schedule for them, but this week is a tough week for them. As they battle the second-ranked team that's in the college football rankings, playoff rankings, in the LSU Tigers. Now, I think LSU should have been number one. They have a strength, a better strength of schedule overall. I think they're a lot better than the number one team right now. Unfortunately, I have to say that uh, they've got their team together. The only their big signature win so far this season has been the Texas win. Um, but if they beat Alabama this week, it for me will seal seal the faith that LSU is in the college football playoff. And the number one team overall is the Ohio State Buckeyes in a perfect eight and zero. The Buckeyes, their solid win against Wisconsin this past last two weeks ago, has really helped their case out. Even though and the utter domination, lead, outscoring their opponents by handily by two touchdowns in every in almost every game an average says a lot Ohio State is the number one ranked team in the college football playoffs so now looking at week 11 of the college football season here is the predictions from yours truly of course we'll start first and foremost with the top 25 games Vanderbilt travels to 10th ranked Florida noon kickoff on ESPN I will take the Gators 12th ranked Baylor heads into TCU to battle the Horn Frogs. 12 o'clock kickoff for that one. I'll take the Bears in that one. 25th ranked SMU. 8-1 overall heads home to battle Eastern Carolina University. East Carolina 3-6 overall. I will take Eastern. I will take SMU in the game. LSU and Alabama. This is a big one. A 3-30 kickoff. CBS, I will be watching this game from start to finish, my friends. From start to finish. I will take the Tigers of LSU to beat Alabama. And I think Alabama will not make the college football playoff. With that loss. Had to say it. Kansas State 16th ranked. Heads into Texas to take on the Longhorns. 3.30 kickoff for that one. I'm going to take the Longhorns of Texas at home in that game. Virginia Tech, after they lost to Notre Dame last week, heads into heads home to battle Wake Forest, 19th ranked in the country. I'll take Wake Forest in that game. 20th ranked Cincinnati, the Bobcats, 3.30 kickoff on CBS Sports Network, hosts the uh, UConn Huskies. I will take the Bobcats in that game. 
4 o'clock kickoff, excuse me, 7 o'clock kickoff sees the Georgia Bulldogs, 6th ranked in the country, welcoming in the Mizzou Tigers. I will take the Bulldogs in that one. The Saturday night game of the week sees 5th ranked Clemson, 9-0 overall, heading into North Carolina State to battle the Wolfpack. I will take Clemson in that game. 15th ranked Notre Dame heads into Duke to battle the Dukies. Duke 4-4 four and four overall, Notre Dame 6-2 and two overall, 15th ranked in the college football rankings. I will take Notre Dame in that game. Ninth-ranked Oklahoma welcomes in uh, Matt Campbell and the Iowa State Cyclones. 8 o'clock kickoff on Fox. I will take the Boomer Sooner in that one. 10-15, 22-ranked Boise State welcomes in Wyoming. I will take the Broncos in that game. So now let's take a look at the Big Ten slate. And, of course, we'll start first and foremost with the high noon game. The number one ranked team in the country, the Ohio State Bob, Ohio State Buckeyes, almost said Bobcats. Ohio State Buckeyes, eight and zero overall. Welcome in three and six Maryland. The game, Ohio State, forty three and a half point favorites in this game. It'll be over by the end of the end of the first quarter. Ohio State easily in that game. Purdue heads in to Northwestern. Northwestern 1-7 overall. They will not make a bowl game this year. I will take the Boilermakers in that game. Noon kickoff. A big game in Minnesota. The weather is going to be absolutely terrible for this one. Fourth-ranked Penn State heads into P.J. Fleck to take on the Gophers. This is a big game. Possibly if Penn State beats... And I say this. If Penn State does beat Ohio State... This right here could be a preview of the Big Ten Championship game. Give me the Golden Gophers. I will take the Golden Gophers to beat the Nittany Lions at TCF Field. Illinois and Lovey Smith, 5-4 overall, goes into East Lansing at 3.30 on the Big Ten on FS1. The title, Mark D'Antonio, who is under siege right now at 4-4 four and four overall. I will take Michigan State to get back onto the winning page and give Lovey Smith a loss in the game. And then 18th-ranked Iowa goes into 13th-ranked Wisconsin, a 4 o'clock kickoff on Fox in Camp Randall. I will take Bucky Badger to get the win over the Iowa Hawkeyes. So there is the college football predictions for you right there. Uh, news and notes around the college football game, of course. Um, Ohio State and Georgia have decided to start a home-and-home home in 2030. That'll be interesting. Going so far ahead of well, too. So far ahead. Um, of course, like I said before, um, next week's edition of All Andy Alfred will be Wednesday night post-game after the Bowling Green-Miami of Ohio game. We'll give you the full recap of BGSU versus Miami of Ohio. Looking forward to seeing if Bowling Green can get back on the winning page. Of course, like I said, Miami of Ohio, 4-1 in conference play. Bowling Green, not so great in conference play. But we'll have the full recap and the updated college football playoff rankings from this past weekend's games on Wednesday night's edition, a special edition of All Andy Alford. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, 
And that is on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And now let's hit the ice. It's time for the Jackets Report. So the Jackets woes continue right here on the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred, as the Jackets only get one point out of the possible eight that they could have gotten in the last four games. Tonight, of course, they're in the desert to battle the Coyotes, but let's recap what has happened on the ice since we last were with you one week ago. The Jackets welcomed in the Edmonton Oilers on the twenty on the 30th of October on Hockey Halloween night at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard, and the Jackets were absolutely dominated in the game by the Edmonton Oilers from start to finish. James Neal getting the starting off his 11th of the season, and then Dreisaitl, his 11th of the season as well, too, making it 2-0 Edmonton Oilers after 20 minutes of play. It was then Carrara, his first of the season, from Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Simone Gagne, making it a 3-0 Edmonton lead before Dreisaitl, his second of the game, made his 12th of the season from Cassian, making it 4-0 Edmonton halfway through the second period. Before then, it, then the bleeding was a little bit stopped by Zach Wierenski getting his third of the season from Cam Atkinson and Pierre-Luc Dubois at the 6.55 mark of the second period, but that was all that could be mustered. The Jackets fall to the Oilers in this game by a score of 4-1. to one. Leon Dreisaitl, the number one star, the number two star, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and James Neal, the number three star overall. The stats looked like this. The Jackets were outshot in the game 31-24. to The Jackets led to the faceoff dot at 61% to the Oilers 39%. The Jackets won for three on the power play for the power play goal from Zach Wierenski. The Oilers won for five on the power play. Jackets had 10 minutes in penalties. The Oilers had six minutes in penalties. The Jackets outhit the Oilers in the game 18 to 14. They also had 20 blocks to 13. It was in net for the Jackets. It was, of course, uh, Elvis Marincic stopping 19, stopping Corporal uh, stopping 8 of 12, giving up all four goals before he was pulled in the game. His save percentage of a point six six seven. Uh, Marincic came in. He stopped all 19 of 19 of the remaining game for the remaining game. He was a solid 1.0 for the Oilers in the game. It was starting in the net for the Oilers. It was Mike Smith stopping 23 of 24. His save percentage, a .598. So the Jackets fall to the Edmonton Oilers. They then headed in to battle the defending Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. A big game for the Jackets to make. A statement, and they did make a statement early on. But Thomas was the starting goaltender for the oil for the uh, for the Blues from Bozak and Stanford, making it one nothing St. Louis. Before Pierre Luc Dubois gets his sixth of the season, tying the game at one with only six seconds to go in the first period. And those goals are key, pivotal, motivational goals to go into the dressing room with the high spirits. Get you set up, and of course, it was it was always sunny in Columbus, Ohio. Sonny Milano getting his third of the season from Oliver Bjorkstrand and Scott Harrington, making a two-one Jackets lead. And then again, Oliver Bjorkstrand, his third of the season, making it three-one CBJ from Pierre Luc Dubois and and Alexander Wenberg on the power play, ten thirty-six mark of the second period. But it just did not get any easier then. The Jackets then giving up two goals into the 
with a in a matter of twenty some odd minutes, twenty odd seconds, Brady Shin his tenth of the season from Schwartz and Perry on the power play. It was three two Jackets, and then Sunquist then his third of the season from McCarran and Picard tying the game at three apiece, and that's what it went through the third period. Good back and forth battle. For the Jackets, it was Marincic starting in the game for him. And then into the third period, no goals were scored. And then we go to overtime. The Jackets getting a point out of St. Louis, but only eight seconds into overtime. David Perron beating Elvis Marincic. And Elvis left the building with a loss. Eight seconds into overtime on the power play. 4-3 St. Louis was the final from Scott Trade Center in St. Louis, Missouri. Perron, the number one star. Sunquist, the number two star. uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, the number three star for the Jackets. In the game, the Jackets outshot the Blues 30-27. They also led in the faceoff dot 54% to 46%. The Blues two for four on the power play, including the game winner for them in overtime. The Jackets one for three. St. Louis had six minutes of penalties. uh, Columbus had eight minutes of penalties. Uh, St. Louis 21 hits to Columbus's 14. Columbus had 15 blocks to St. Louis's 7 blocks. Mercic stopping 23 of 27. His save percentage of a .82 in the game for the Blues. It was, of course, Jordan Billington stopping 27 of 30. His save percentage of .90. So the Jackets fall to the Blues and get a point at least. And then they headed back home. For a back-to-back night, of course, they played the Calgary Flames. This game was on hockey night in Canada. Got a chance to watch it from start to finish most of the game. Of course, the walleye had their home opener. We'll get to the walleye here in just a second. But it was all Flames in this game from start to finish. And the Jackets just absolutely look flat-footed. There's no excuse of how bad this team was in this game. You could tell that they were... Not in it. Sean Monahan getting it started for the Blues. Not the Blues, but the Flames in the game. His third of the season from Ekholm and Gerdo, uh, Johnny Gaudreau. And it was one nothing Calgary after 20 minutes of play. Then Sam Bennett, his third of the season from Ryan and Noah Hannafin, making it 2 nothing at the 8-20 mark of the second period. And then in the third period, Matthew Kachuk in the empty netter. 3-0 Calgary, and that was the final on Saturday night at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard in the Schwide. 3-0. Jonas Corposalo stopping 26 of 28. His save percentage of a .929 in the game for the Flames. It was a great night for uh, Richard, stopping 43 of 43 in the game. David Richard getting the number one overall star. Sean Moynihan, the number two star. Jonas Corposello gets the number three star overall. The Jackets did outshoot Calgary in the game, 43-29. They also led in the faceoff dot, uh, actually fell in the faceoff dot to the Flames, 54% to 46%. Both teams over on the power play. The Jackets had six minutes in penalties. The Flames had eight minutes in penalties. The Jackets out hit the Flames, 21-5. They also outblocked them, 17-9. So the Jackets fall to the Flames. On back-to-back nights. And then we get to Tuesday night. The final game of the homestand. Before they headed on the road. 
And it was against the Vegas Golden Knights. Their jerseys really are not a good combination for the Jackets. The Jackets have not yet won games in a long time again in third jerseys, in my opinion. And I think they should just do away with their third jersey because I think they're absolutely atrocious. They really are. I don't really like them. Smith gets the opening period goal for the Vegas Golden Knights at the 1915 mark of the first period and giving the the Knights an early one to nothing lead going into the dressing room in the first period. Before then, Boone Jenner, his fourth of the season, on a great shot, on a deflected shot, and on a wrist shot that goes past the flower, Mark andre Fleury, tying the game at one at the 537 mark of the second period. Before then, then Smith again, his second of the evening, beating Jonas Corposalo and the Vegas Golden Knights up 2-1, to one, and that was the final at the Schweid on Tuesday night as the Vegas Golden Knights beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 2-1 in the game. The number three star of the game was Jonas Corposello. William Carlson, the former Jacket, is now the, was the number two star. And Riley Smith, that was Riley Smith, excuse me. Uh, not Ryan Smith, but Riley Smith was the number one star. And Riley Smith had the two goals in the game for the Vegas Golden Knights. For the Jackets in the game, it was Jonas Corposalo stopping 23 of 25. His save percentage is a point. 9-2-0. Fleury stopping a solid 29 of 30. His save percentage of a point. 9-6-7. The Jackets did outshoot Vegas in the game 30-25. to They also led in the faceoff dot 57% to 43%. Both teams over on the power play. The Jackets out hitting the Knights 19-10 and out blocking them 13-9. But it's not cutting it. The Jackets are a young team. And they're not getting the job done. So you have four games, possible eight points, and you get one point out of it. That's not going to cut it. And the Jackets made a move today, sending Marinsics down to Cleveland. And he is not happy about it. He had a comment for Aaron Porchline of the Athletics saying that he's here to play hockey in the NHL not in Cleveland. Well, Elvis, I have to say this. Elvis has left the building at the Schweid and headed down to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse because I think, in your, my opinion, you should be a monster for the rest of the season. I really think so. Your inconsistency between the pipes is one thing, but yet also you have to put the blame on the defensive side of the puck. Uh, Warinsky and Jones are... Of the top two defensemen. But then after that, Savard is not that great. Ryan Murray's been injured most of the season. So there's no really consistent play for for the Jackets on the defensive end. And they've got to put more pucks in the back of the net, of course. That's what it really is. Atkinson's got to be better, of course. Dubois's got to be better. Um, I, I think Nyquist has been quiet. So has Nick Foligno. I'm just shocked on that. I thought he would be getting better better acquainted to the system, but I guess not. So, And I like to see some of the younger guys. Of course, Sonny Milano doing fantastic job. Alexander Wember doing great so far, but they've been off the scoreboard for the last couple games, excluding Sonny Milano against uh, against St. Louis. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the Jackets perform. The Jackets tonight, 9 o'clock puck drop against the Arizona Coyotes. Then they will then head to Colorado on Saturday night, 9 o'clock puck drop for that one. 
before they head to Montreal this upcoming Tuesday to battle the Canadiens. Then they return back home to take on the St. Louis Blues. And that is the Jackets report. As you're listening to All ADL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, and that is either on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, However you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. Two games on the slate last night in the NHL. One at MSG as the Rangers getting a 5-1 win over the Detroit Red Wings. It was also the St. Louis Blues, a 5-2 win in Edmonton, beating the Edmonton Oilers. Tonight on the docket, Vegas is in Toronto to take on the Maple Leafs. The Hawks welcome in the Vancouver Canucks. 8.30 puck drop for that one. Washington Heads down to Florida to take on Sergei Bobrovsky and the Florida Panthers. It will be the Philadelphia Flyers welcoming in the Montreal Canadiens. The Islanders welcome in the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Carolina taking on the New York Rangers. Ottawa welcomes in the LA Kings. Nashville heads into the Pepsi Center to take on the Colorado Avalanche. The New Jersey Devils head into Calgary to, and the Pegrome Saddledome to take on the Calgary Flames. It will also be the Minnesota Wild taking on the San Jose Sharks. Looking at the standings going into today's play, this is what it looks like in the NHL. Uh, In the division races, we're not looking at the wild card races, of course. In the Atlantic division in the NHL is Boston on top at 11-2-2 with 24 points. Buffalo 9-4-2 with 20 points. The Leafs are in third place at 8-5-3 with 19 points. Florida 7-3-4 with 18 points. Montreal 8-5-2 with 18 points as well. It is then Tampa Bay at 6-5-2 with 14 points. Ottawa 4-9-1 with 9 points. And the Detroit Red Wings are 4-12-1 with 9 points. In the Metropolitan Division, it is the Washington Capitals at 11-2-3 with 25 points. The Islanders are 11-3-0 with 22 points. The Carolina Hurricanes are 9-5 and 1 with 19 points. Pittsburgh 8-6 and 1 with 17 points. The Flyers are 7-5 and 2 with 16 points. The Rangers are 6-6 and 1 with 13 points. And the Columbus Blue Jackets are in 7th spot at 5-7 and 3 with 13 points. Got to get it better, boys. Have to get it better because the New Jersey Devils are 4-5 and 4 with 12 points and they are playing tonight, of course. In the Western Conference in the Central Division, the St. Louis Blues still on top. At 11-3-3 with 25 points. Nashville 9-4-2 with 20 points. The Colorado Avalanche are 8-5-2 with 18 points. Winnipeg is 8-7-1 with 17 points. So is Dallas with 17 points. They are 8-8-1. Chicago 4-7-3 with 11 points. And the Minnesota Wild are 5-9-1 with 11 points. In the Pacific Division, it is the Edmonton Oilers at 10-5-2 with 22 points. Vancouver 9-3-3 with 21 points. Arizona 9-4-2 with 20 points. Vegas 9-5-2 with 20 points as well. Calgary also has 20 points at 9-7-2 with 20 points. Edmonton, not Edmonton, but Anaheim is 9-7-1 with 19 points. The Sharks of San Jose are 5-10-1 with 11 points. And the LA Kings are 5-10-0 with 10 points overall in this early part of the season. The Jackets have only played 15 games this season, so... In five games, we could make our judgment call on a lot of these teams, of course. The team that's played the most games are the Detroit Red Wings with 17 games played this 
season. As you're listening to All Indie for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now let's take a look at the Premier AA Hockey League, and that is the East Coast Hockey League. A big game this past Sunday night, the Toledo Walleye, of course, welcomed into the Fort Wayne Comets. But on Friday, we'll get into the full slate of games from this past week, of course. And we'll start first and foremost from this past Friday night, as it was the Calamans, as it was a solid road game, a solid slate of road games that took place this past week. As let's see here, there we are, right here. There's my slated games from this past week. Of course, the ECHL app wants to crash on me as I'm doing my thing. Here we go, right here. We'll start first and foremost from last Friday night on the first of November, as it was. As it was Fort Wayne getting a 4-2 win over the Florida Everblades. In that game, both teams would be facing the Walleye over the weekend. And Saturday night, the Walleye welcomed in their home slate of games. As they took on the Florida Everblades. And the Blades getting a 4-3 win in overtime over the Fish. It did start off with Auger for Florida. His third of the season from Downing and McCarran before McCray. From Tuckett and Hillman. Spezia getting his second of the season from Kessner. Making it 2-1 Walleye. Then Shane Burschback getting his third of the season from Anamidi and Tuckett. And a, on a solid sold out crowd of 8,000 in plus in attendance at the Huntington Center. Saw the fish going up 3-1 to one at the end of 40 minutes of play. And then Florida rallied back. three consecutive, Two consecutive goals from Deckner and Auger. Making it 3-3 going into overtime. And then Winsky getting his fourth of the season from Madwood. Making it 4-3. And the Everblade on the home opener. 3-54 in the overtime. Beat the Fish 4-3. Nago stopping 32-36 in the game. Appleby stopping 24-27 in the game. The Everblades out shooting the Fish in the game 36-27. The Walleye 1 for 5 on the power play. Florida 1 for 2 on the power play as well. Uh, Looking at the games, the other game, of course, Cincinnati went into Brampton, Ontario to take on the Brampton Beast this past Saturday night. And they battle them out in the CAA Center. But, of course, the Cyclones falling to the Beast by a score of 4 to 1. Flora getting the only goal for the Cyclones, his first from the season from Schultz and Nagati. All Brampton Levens, his second. Sparks with the two-goal game, his third and fourth of the season as the Cyclones fall to the Beast by a score of 4-1. to one. Cincinnati did outshoot Brampton in the game 32-29. to 29. Cincinnati over 6 on the power play. Brampton 1-3. for three. It was um, Luconan stopping 25 of 28 in the game. Decord getting the win. He stopped 31 of 32 in the game. So the so the Cyclones fall to Brampton on 
Saturday night. Of course, Sunday saw the big game for the Fish. But before that, the Cyclones returned the favor at the CAA Center with a 3-2 win over the Brampton Beats. It was Schultz, Mitchell, and Vale all scoring in the second period. It was all scoring in the second period. Three goals for the Cyclones in that game. Vale, Schultz, and Mitchell at all in the second period. And then it was Bacan and Berkern, uh Berchman, 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 there it is, Berchman, scoring for the Beast. The Cyclones getting a 3-2 win over the Beast. The the uh, Cyclones, again, 0 for 6 on the power play. Brampton 1 for 6 on the power play. Cincinnati outshot Brampton in the game 30-29. to So let's get to Sunday and, of course, the big game. If you followed us on Facebook, of course, the big game at the Huntington Center, the Toledo Walleye welcomed in the Fort Wayne Comets. It was the return of a former Walleye player, and I think the curse continues for the Fish as A.J. Jenks comes back to the Huntington Center to battle his former team. And he was the leading penalty person for the for the Comets in the game, a tripping penalty and a hooking penalty in the game. And that was what the Walleye capitalized on every single chance that they had. They scored in all three periods of the game. It was Loggins on the power play from Antimini and Birchback. It was one nothing Fish. And Dragukas getting his second of the season, excuse me, his fourth of the season, in the second period from Hensick and Kessner. And it was four, It was 2 nothing Fish before St. Atin from Golov and Gupta. And it was 2-1 in favor of the of the Fish before Brett Boeing, his first as a professional from Justin Bozio and Loggins on the power play. It was 3-1 Fish, and that was what the final was in the game. The Walleye beating the Comets 3-1. The Walleye were outshot in the game by the Comets 40-27. The Walleye 3-5 on the power play. Fort Wayne 0-4 on the power play. Nagel getting stopping 39 to 40. He also gets the record for the most wins as a goaltender for the Toledo Walleye. Vitale gets the loss for the Comets in the game. And so the Walleye getting a big win on Sunday night against the Fort Wayne Comets. And of course, the Walleye continued their run as they played the Wheeling Nailers this past Wednesday morning and getting a 5-4 win over the Nailers. On the school day celebration game. It was is getting his fifth of the season from Orlowski and Vale. It was one nothing fish for Gronzig from Schnebler and Christenberg for the Wheeling Nailers, tying the game at one apiece. Justin Buzio getting his third of the season from Hillman and Ock. And then with the eighteen thirty two mark of the first period, it was Brown from Desrog tying the game at two apiece going into the second period. Wheeling coming out strong in the second period from Johnson and Scorfino, making it a 4-2 Wheeling lead. And then into the second, it was Vale, his first of the season for Buzio and Graducus, making it 4-3. And then in the third period, 7-27 mark of the third period, Antimini from Loggins and Wincrust giving the game tied at four. And then Tyler Spezia on a two-on-one breakaway beats the goaltender Doro at the 121 mark of the first of, of overtime 
and the Walleye get a 5-4 win in front of a sold-out crowd at the Huntington Center of 7,654. As they sell out the Huntington Center, as the Walleye getting a 5-4 win. The Walleye were outshot in the game by the Nailers, 32-27. Toledo 1-for-2 on the power play, wheeling 0-for-3. Nagel stopping 28-of-32 in the game. Uh, the Cyclones did play on Wednesday night, and the battle of the seat cushion, as Everett would say best, against the Fort Wayne Comets. The first game goes to the Comets. The first game goes to the Clones. In a 5-4 win for the Clones. Uh, Justin Vive, his second of the season. And Brady Vale starting off the scoring. Making it 2-0 in favor of the Clones. Before Sedlowski and Lorenzik getting his third, both getting their thirds of the season. Tying the game at two apiece. And then Justin Schultz, his fifth of the season. And then A.J. Jenks getting his fifth goal of the season. Making it 3-3 midway point of the second period. Before Justin Vive, again his third of the season, making it 4-3 in favor of Cincinnati. Obeck getting the 4-4 goal, but then at the 16-33 mark of the third period, it was Vora getting his goal from Vale and Paquette, and it was a final from the Clones, from Heritage Bank Center, formerly U.S. Bank Arena, as the Clones getting a 5-4 win over the Comets in that game. Uh, the Comets out shooting the Clones in the game 31-22. to Fort Wayne 2-5 for five on the power play. Cincinnati 0-3. for three. Romeo the win. He stopped 27-31. to 31. Ferguson stopping 7-9. of nine. It was also a penalty shot taken in the game uh, for Fort Wayne. Madison Berg was officially ordered a, a penalty shot. The goal did not go in at the 947 mark. Of the of the game, so the clones a big win. We'll take a look at the standings here in just a second. The games going forward for this weekend, Friday night, looks like this: uh, Fort Wayne is in Kalamazoo. Uh, Cincinnati is at home to battle the Brampton Beast. Toledo, excuse me, Toledo hosts the Indiana Farmers Coliseum to tackle the Indy Fuel. Saturday night, the Walleye return back home to. The Huntington Center to battle the Brampton Beasts. It will also be the Clones traveling to Indianapolis to battle the Indy Fuel. Cincinnati then will head to Kalamazoo Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock puck drop for that one. Toledo then will head up to Brampton to battle the Beast at the CAA Center. Looking at the standings going into this weekend's play, looks like this. In the Central Division, Toledo on top at 6-1-1 with 13 points. Fort Wayne 5-4-1 with 11 points. Cincinnati making the run. They're now 5-2-1 with 11 points. Kalamazoo 4-1-1 with 9 points. Wheeling with their loss against Toledo are now 4-3-1 with 9 points. And India's 3-4-0 with 6 points overall. So a lot of hockey to play, folks. A lot of hockey to play. As you're listening to all NBL for tonight. Right here on the Anchor Network, and that is on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. Let's dive into some other sports news and talk a little Andy Rants for you tonight. Follow Andy on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred and on Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alfred Network. Powered by Anchor.